0: word
1: of God says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, God's eyes saw my unformed body. That's Psalm 139, 13, and 16. And with that uh, verse that reaffirms the sanctity of all human life, I welcome you to the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland here, so honored that you're listening. Hey, I want to ask the question, uh, a two-fold question, actually. What makes life sacred, human life? What, what separates us from the animals? Why is humanity just on a different uh, quantitative plane than plants or animals or insects or bugs or amoebas, what makes human life sacred? the The other thing I want to ask you is this: Are you seeing? Do you believe you're seeing things that that represent the cheapening of human life? Uh, do you see things that indicate life is not valued? in the United States to the degree that it once was. You know, our founding documents, the Declaration, Constitution, Bill of Rights. And if you read the writings and the sentiments of, of all of our founders and great leaders through up uh, the last two centuries, through our nation's history, you're going to see that one of the core values, I mean, one of the foundational stones of our republic has been the sanctity of human life. And by the way, our number is 888-589-8840, 888 589 Alex McFarland here, so honored to visit with you a little bit today, and I bid you good morning wherever you might be uh, listening uh, in America. Uh, if, if you recognize my voice, uh, it might be because of a show called Exploring the Word. You know, I was in New York City to do an interview two or three years ago, I got invited up there to be interviewed about youth culture and they said do a mic check Alex and they said say something into the mic and the uh, crew kind of laughed they said whoa you have a really southern accent I said hey I'm from the south what can I tell you you know and they said uh listen we got a joke about southerners uh and I said well hey now before you be cracking on southerners I, I am from the south granted but uh You know, before you start telling a joke about Southerners, you know, that's my home turf you're talking about. I am from the South. They said, okay, well, we'll tell it real, real slow. But, uh, yes, I am from the South proudly, so I thank God for uh, the fact that he let me be born and where I grew up. But if you recognize my voice, Southern accent and all, it's probably from exploring the word that is heard Uh, every day, Monday through Friday, 3 to 4 Central Time, and all around the country. And my uh, co-host and I, Bert Harper, we go over Bible uh, content, we take questions, and I invite you to listen. I'm, I'm excited to be on the road this afternoon when I... Uh, leave here after this program in an hour. I'll be driving to Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, doing a pregnancy care banquet this evening. And uh, if you happen to be in the Wilmington area, love to meet you. Tomorrow I'll be in Richmond, Virginia, for a father son men's event. And you can find my entire travel schedule and a lot of things coming up. I'll be in Cincinnati next month, I'll be in uh, San Angelo, Texas next month, but every day live. On the American Family Radio Network, and we're so glad that you listen. You know, as the, you might have heard the commercial as we were coming in at afr.net, all the shows are archived. You can listen again, you can share and forward. And then the AFR app, which is compatible with all mobile devices, you can just listen everywhere because our goal sure, there's a lot of news analysis and cultural commentary, but really, it's biblical worldview and looking at life and living through the lens of God's eternal truth. And uh, there's a very pronounced truth in the biblical worldview that life is sacred. So we're going to go to the phones. The number is 888 And I'm asking the question, why is life sacred? And are you seeing life cheapened uh, in this day and age? Well, we're going to go to Texas Bobby Joe in Texas. Bobby Joe, thanks for holding, and welcome to the American Family Radio Network.
0: Tom, my brother Alex, you would start the day off with a good question, wouldn't you?
2: Uh,
1: Bobby Joe, my (laughs) friend, how are you? (laughs) Brother, it's such a privilege to hear from you.
0: Oh, I am blessed and highly favored, sir, because God has given me wisdom in certain areas, and I just love to share it.
1: Hey, I got to ask you, where was it you and I met this six or seven years ago? I was in Texas and, and it was really special for a couple of reasons. For one thing, the praise band at this event was playing uh, the bumper music from exploring the word. It was awesome. They learned, uh, our, our music and the praise band played it kind of to honor burden myself. And that was a blessing. And then I met you and you've become such a great friend, Bobby Joe. Um, And I've got your daughter's picture on my desk that you shared with me. Um, But was that in Waco where I met you?
0: Absolutely. It was a dinner for an awards uh, banquet thing. Uh, I don't remember the exact title of it, but, yeah, we was at the Bell County Expo Center in, in Temple.
2: And, and
1: you I, are I so I hurt, faithful.
0: I think I hurt your back when I hugged you. <laughs> uh,
1: well, no, but it, listen, man, you know what? You are such a blessing. How, how have you been? And let's talk about life, because, you know, um, I speak at a lot of colleges, Bobby Joe, and mm-hmm. clearly the Bible shows us that God is creator, and Acts 4.24 says, all that exists has been made by God. Uh, Job ten eleven Psalm 139 says that we are wonderfully formed by God in our mother's body, by the hands of a loving Creator. But um, our world doesn't think this way so much anymore, Bobby Joe, so weigh in on this topic, if you would.
0: Well, the world has lost their mind, and what they can't do is separate their mind from their brain. I believe it was King Nebuchadnezzar that was... Sent to the field is uh, to graze for many years before he come back to his senses like the prodigal son. So animals don't have a mind, and we have a mind so that we could logically, deductively reason out down to a conclusion that has no other explanation. And since God has given us this great mind, as C.S. Lewis and and uh, Charles Spurgeon says that God used the language of mathematics to create this universe. And if people could at least mm. separate their mind from their brain, because their brain is where the information processes, and their mind is who they are. And most people yeah. just can't get that simple thing. Is, is that is that spot on, Alex?
1: Well, I, th- I think you're right, and, and Bobby Joe, here, here's the issue that 163 years of Charles Darwin's theory, because 1859 was when his uh, On the Origin of Species came out, for 163 years, the academic world has told generations of students that you are evolved from primates and that humans are basically sophisticated animals, and I mean, this this is it, folks, and I've got a story here, and Bobby Joe, I want to thank you, because I think you nailed it. Um, Animals have what we call, you know, natural instincts, animal instinct, you know, uh, get the food, eat the food, uh, fight, kill, or be killed, but humans can think, and reason, and worship, and process, and show grace, and envision things, and humans don't build just nests, we can create skyscrapers. I mean, clearly our reasoning ability separates us from animals and many other things as well. But uh, I've I've got a story here that I commented on yesterday. Uh, In New York City, Lauren Pazienza uh, says New York Socialite, she was 26, she was walking down a sidewalk, and there was an 87-year-old woman in front of her, and she called the woman a bad name and shoved her said, get out of my way. Well, the woman falls to the sidewalk and hits her head and dies. Well, it turns out she was a uh, kind of a beloved figure. She had been a Broadway performer. She was a vocal coach to a lot of famous singers. And and that wasn't what made her special. She was special because she was a human being. But here was the thing. Just to shove an elderly person out of the way because you're walking down the sidewalk I mean, You don't walk around and, and say, excuse me, uh, just to shove this person out of the way. Now, the, the lawyer defending uh, the accused, Lauren Pazienza, the lawyer made the defense and said that she is, quote, a good, moral, upright person, a just person. Now, you know, I want to say this. I'm sorry for the 26-year-old girl who clearly has... Um, just ruined her future. But the thing is, um, part of our judiciary in 244 years of American history, we hold people accountable for our actions. Do you know folks, it's actually a compliment that we are accountable for our actions because what we're saying when somebody commits a crime, like shoving somebody to the ground and they die and, uh, You know they're charging her with manslaughter, but uh, it really would be a lot of people are crying out and saying the charge really ought to be murder. But holding people accountable for their actions is a compliment because what it is saying is you are a human being, and as such, you have you're you're a moral agent, and you can make good moral choices, you can make bad moral choices, uh, but we're accountable for our actions because we're human beings and just to just to let people off and they talk about you know a plea bargain or leniency actually um, letting people off uh, devalues humanity not elevates humanity and so we've got a part of our our court system and the revolving door it's called the recidivism rate. Uh, people commit crimes and they come back and come back because they never really are accountable for the things they've done. That doesn't uh, empower people. It really devalues the human, uh, our view of humanity. But I want to go to Jim in Arkansas. Bobby Joe in Texas, thank you. Jim in Arkansas, thanks for holding. We're talking about life. Why is life sacred? And are we seeing the value of life diminished in our culture?
2: Okay, uh, I became a Christian Uh, Twenty-four years ago, and I'm Uh, 75-plus. Praise God you're a believer. I did not understand the value of life. I lost a 15-year-old 26 years ago.
1: Mm, I'm sorry.
2: The The value of life is so important to me. Not only the material life that we live in, but the spiritual life. If you've ever had the Holy Spirit come on you, it changes your whole life. And that's what's happened to me. Mm. Um, You just, people do not understand that life is so valuable. It is. But the life after life is even more so. And the Holy Spirit, as as it speaks in the Bible, there are three hands. And that Holy Spirit... Oh, my goodness. He came on me, and ever since then, I have tried my very best to stay in God's shadow. But it's it's a hard walk, uh, even with the help of the Holy Spirit, because Satan is going to come on us. But I know the importance of life because of that. And the more important thing is I'm around kids all the time. And I see God shining on them every day. And it's Mm -hmm. up to older people to let them understand. There's more in this world than the world. Thank you,
1: Jim. Jim, I'm getting goosebumps here, man. Praising God right along with you. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit that expands our mind, that we see the value of every day every day is a gift. Folks, this is the American Family Radio Network, Alex McFarland here. I was commenting on the story out of New York of the the woman that tragically died in getting uh, shoved on the sidewalk. We're talking about the sacredness of life. We're going to come back. We've got a lot on this hour of biblical worldview, the news of the day through the lens of scripture. So stay tuned. Alex McFarland here. So honored that you're listening. Thanks for keeping your radio and your computer tuned to AFR. We're going to be right back after this. Don't go away.
3: Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MetaShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, And they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating and you are invited to be part of it. Call now, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE, 833-44-BIBLE. Here's
4: Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. Think how different your
3: life would be if you really believed that you, little old you, We're a person whom Jesus loves. You let that settle in your heart and it blows you away every time you think about it. Wow.
5: Discover how to have a life that really matters. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on
6: From His Heart, weeknights at 6 central here on American Family Radio.
3: Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There
4: is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. Hi folks, my name is Seth Udinsky. I'm the producer for Financial Issues with Dan Celia. As Dan recovers in the hospital, the team at FISM would like to invite you to join us in prayer and fasting for Dan's healing. And folks, this idea of prayer and fasting can sometimes be a little bit of a scary thing for Christians, especially the whole concept of fasting. Obviously, you could certainly fast from food, but you can also fast in other ways as well. You know, the purpose of fasting is really for us to orient our hearts around God and to focus on the fact that we need him. This Wednesday, March the 23rd, we will be praying for healing over Dan's body. And on Thursday, March the 24th, we will be praying specifically for the doctors and nurses caring for Dan. On Friday, March the 25th, we will pray for comfort for Dan's family. Join us folks as we pray and fast for Dan. And for more information about Dan's road to recovery and how you can pray specifically for him, go to FISM.TV forward slash pray and fast.
1: Welcome back to AFR. Alex McFarland here, you know, talking about life, the quality of life that we have as Americans. And, you know, one of our core values was the sacredness of human life. I remember one of the first elections I got to vote in was President George W. Bush. This was in the late 80s. He succeeded Reagan, as you may remember. But he opened a speech, uh, Human Life is a Sacred Gift from Our Creator. And I thought, well, I'm going to vote for him because that's I'm kind of a single issue voter. Uh, really, uh, somebody has to believe in the the life position because you know our founding document, our Declaration of Independence says all are endowed by their creator, that's God with life. The most fundamental human right is the right to life. We're going to go to Alabama. Ronnie in Alabama. By the way, folks, the number is triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Why is life sacred? Are you seeing life, the value of life diminished? But Ronnie, thanks for holding, and uh, good to have you on the American Family Radio Network.
7: Man, brother, brother, Adam, it's good to be, have breath, and even better is to have the Holy Spirit within, you know? <laughs> right on, I, my friend. Absolutely. And, and, and there's and there's the value of life just that fact alone but anyway i I did want to say i really believe this we are living in bible times Mm. i mean i I just believe that i believe this is is god the spirit that that's letting me see it and 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 just see it every day you know but anyway uh uh,
1: uh, let me say one thing right right quick you know um this morning i was looking at the news feed and uh I don't know if you saw this, and then I'm, I want you to hold your thought. But uh, Iowa teens used baseball bat to murder their Spanish teacher. Two year sixteen-year-old Iowa boys used a baseball bat. I mean, it makes my skin crawl to even read this headline. They killed their Spanish teacher, bragged about the brutal murder on social media, and uh, the teens are waiting uh, charges. This is at the Fairfield High School um, in a certain part of Iowa. Killed their Spanish teacher uh, and uh, used a tarp and a wheelbarrow to haul away the body and then, you know, posted about it on social media. And I think about this, this precious looking lady, 66 year old. I mean, there was a day when you actually respected authority. There was a day, you know, I got to say this as an unsaved high schooler. I didn't really know the Lord till I was 21, but I somehow knew These teachers were, they cared about us, and they were investing. And, I mean, what kind of America is it where, I mean, it's not enough to chew gum or be, you know, smart to your teacher. The poor teacher probably worked for substandard wages, trying to be a teacher to the kids. And what's her reward for that, getting murdered with a baseball bat and then becoming a post on social media? Uh, May God help us. But I'm sorry, Ronnie, continue.
7: Well, Brother Alex, you're absolutely right uh there's so many things happening, both good and bad, in other words, both hold us God, the spirit influence, or demonic influence and And trust me, if the Lord came right now and we all went up into the air, it's just say like Jesus appeared to all of us right right now, right, I'd be the most ashamed, Brother Alex, just to be honest. But wow. the spirit is working. The spirit is working in my heart, and I'm I'm trying to purify myself, and I want to do it in a hurry too, brother. <laughs> because, <laughs> that, that's that's know, right. None of us know, you know. None of us know. No, and that could very well happen as I speak. But you, you, you know, the, the Ronnie, influences on the kids are coming after our youngins. And folks, we need think about this: people with the spirit inside them to get all yeah. this mess going in All right. that direction.
1: Alright, l- let me just say this, and Ronnie, thank you so much. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 11, and it's talking to Christians, but Paul talks about, you know, us, we're going to see the Lord one day, uh, and it says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Uh, persuade men to what? You know, well, live godly. Uh, repent of sin. Turn to Christ. And this is talking about believers. This is not about heaven or hell. These are believers, but we all will be rewarded or suffer lack of rewards. And and let me say, this is why, folks, like, like Ronnie from Alabama says, look, we need the Holy Spirit. And the church, if you're a Christian, you're part of the church, regardless of where you go to church. If you're a Christian, you're part of the church. I had a very dear friend, and um, sat with his family at the funeral. He, I'm not trying to be a name dropper, but he was my friend, and that was Chuck Colson. Colson spoke for us in a lot of events. He was a brilliant, godly man. You may remember that name from the Watergate um, situation. But Chuck Colson would often say, I heard him say it from the stage, I heard him say it privately, he would say the church is the conscience of the culture. So here we are, 100 million adult Americans that are believers, the Barna Research Group, B-A-R-N-A, Barna Research, says that 100 million American adults, roughly, you know, plus or minus, I suppose, but 100 million adults are Christian. Well, that being the case, look, we know the Word of God. We know what prayer is. We know that the, the... behavior of any person or the lack thereof is regarding the Holy Spirit. So we need to pray for the Spirit of God to move. We need to be informed. We need to uh, do our best to cast votes for people that are constitutionalists that believe in America. And uh, maybe I'll do this on another show, but I want to talk about how we need a, a good old revival of Americanism patriotism we need to care about this country had a preacher kind of reprimand me last summer i was on the road speaking and a preacher said hey i'll listen to you and you talk about america but hey my home is in heaven i said well yeah mine too but you know what i gotta live somewhere till i get there and there's nothing let me say this folks there's nothing necessarily pious about letting our nation implode Sure, our, our true home is in heaven, but until we get there, uh, it is in the best interest of all of us to pray for, work for, stand up for a godly, moral America, most conducive to the spread of the gospel. Well, uh, you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland here. We're talking about the sacredness of life. The Word of God is clear Okay, the Bible, a book shown to be inspired by compelling lines of evidence, declares that God is the creator and the owner of all things. Therefore, all human life made by God is sacred. But our, our nation, regardless of if you're a Christian or not, our nation, and really all civilized societies, have affirmed the inherent sanctity and worth of unborn people. You know... Um, the Code of Hammurabi, 18th century B.C., uh, affirmed that unborn life must be protected. Isn't that something? 1,800 years before the birth of Christ, there were moral codes being carved in stone. One of the most famous, the Code of Hammurabi, though. Throughout all the centuries, through up through English common law to all 50 states prior to 1973, human life is to be protected the life of the unborn is sacred. 1800 years before the birth of Christ, they knew more than college professors in 2022 that life is sacred. We're going to go to Jock in Arizona. Uh, Jock, thanks for holding and welcome to AFR.
8: Hey, brother Alex. Good morning to you. And I wanted to comment on a few things. Um, One, I, I just, I love the spirit you have. It's just so meek and humble, and and uh, keep that, brother. Keep that. And, uh, um, the, I'm a saved
1: um, I'm, sinner, brother.
8: I know, right? Oh, me too. One of um, the worst of the worst, and I'm saved by his just his, his convictions and and uh, seeking his, seeking a relationship with Him in the the text of God, the Word of God, and, and it becomes alive and. It moves and sanctifies us in such a special way. It's like we're um, sanctified by fire in a in a way, uh, as the sinners that we are, the prodigal sons. But without life, there's really no definition of death, and without death, there's no definition of life. Um, um, it's just in. in um, We have life through death and uh, and, uh, dying away of our physical uh, uh, um, sinful sin, and we live in the spirit, but in that, as body, um, look at the life that we come into contact with every day in our so-called business world or our our moving through society, and the what's our reasoning for doing it is it to edify and encourage people in what they're doing or is it we doing it just for the money um and if we're if we're encouraging people and we're taking time with people and listening to them and then that that to me is cherishing life that is that's that's what we're here to do i believe
1: jock yeah. this is wonderful uh and you're right we are to cherish life and you know um Obviously, the gospel uh, gets saved through a relationship with Jesus. You know, and we're going to celebrate Easter soon. I want to remind everybody that Easter is a prime time to bring your friends and those around you under the sound of the gospel. Because one one of the most verified facts of ancient history is the fact that that Christ lived and rose from the dead. We often talk about that on exploring the word, the empirical evidence for the resurrection. And so Easter's coming up, and uh, I want to encourage people to just worship the Lord and thank God that, listen, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Jesus didn't go to Calvary's cross to die for the animals. Although, listen, all creation will be restored. And part of the great gospel message is that uh, the, the renewing of all things. But Jesus gave his life for human beings to rescue lost humanity. We are valuable. I believe it's 1 John 4.8. Oh, this is great, folks. It says, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of Satan. So human life is sacred enough that God himself intervened. Now, uh, Jock in Arizona, thank you so much. I'm going to change gears for a second, and I'm going to bring up Sean Tice. Hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, and I want to talk about one of the factors in our culture that has contributed to a diminished value of human life is fatherlessness. Um, a lot we could say. I don't want to take away too much time from our, our special guest Sean Tice, but you know, with the um, falling away of young people, you know, studies show 75, 80 percent of young people raised in a Christian home. After high school, they'll fall away from the church. Now, a lot of people said, oh, it's because colleges are so liberal. And many, many, many colleges are liberal. I know I've spoken at 200 of them, uh, and I'll be at two more universities to speak in the next four weeks. But here's the thing. Studies show, and this is one of the, one of the effects of fatherlessness, that it, it really wasn't the liberalizing of the classroom that made young people into skeptics. I and mean, that didn't help, but it was the breakdown of the family. Divorce, fatherlessness, and really the drift away from church commitment in the home. So I want to say this, and then we'll meet Sean Tice. If you want to save America, and, and by the way, these are secularists that are saying this. Now, we preachers would say amen, but I'm telling you, secularists are saying this. Want to save America, you got to save morality. If you want to save morality, you need a restoration of church. But if you want a restoration of church, you got to save the family. America needs morality. The best way to impart morals is through church. But if you want a restored church, be a champion for the family. Fatherlessness. And I, I've got mercy. I know stuff happens. But look, folks, we've got to affirm the family, which was the bedrock of our nation. Well, with that, Sean Tice, I believe you're—are are you calling in from Las Vegas, right? I, well,
6: I'm actually in Florida now. Yeah, I live in Las Vegas, but I'm in Florida. I'm
1: on the road for our ministry right now. Oh, well, I, I listen, brother, I can relate to that. So uh, you're <laughs> in the same time zone as me. Well— um thanks for holding, Sean, and we're so honored to have you on no the problem. American family Radio network.
6: That's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: So, what is a good, godly American doing living in Las Vegas?
6: <laughs> well, I just moved there in December. We uh, are setting up a chapter of our ministry in Las Vegas called God is my dad dot com God is my dad local Las Vegas chapter is being launched there. We started in January, and what we're doing basically setting up a lighthouse. For single moms, fatherless individuals and grandparents and grandkids, and letting them know that there's hope and we're setting up a network of churches that care about these families that have training and resources that will have training and resources for them um setting up single mom groups and different things like that to give hope to these families and try to help them mm-hmm. as they go down this this path.
1: I applaud you, listen, I didn't mean to rip on las vegas i've I've been there to preach oh, and been no, there to minister too. Just just kidding, but <laughs> may God bless you. So God is my that's the website. God is my dad. God God is my dad.com Well, that that is wonderful. So uh, you're ministering and talking about how God is, is our dad. Um, what led you, Sean, into uh, caring about the issue of fatherlessness and, and ministering to this need?
6: Well, it, even, it really relates to even Las Vegas too. My my dad grew up in Las Vegas, and then he left Pennsylvania where we lived as a family and went back to Las Vegas, his hometown, and never came back. Whenever I was about ten months old, and he made me fadless. And so it's just it's really been my whole life story. growing up fatherless myself, having a single mom, and my grandparents helped raise me, and that's why we're so passionate about the issue.
1: Well, um, quickly because we've got a break, and then you and I will come back for a full segment. But can the church in America do something about fatherlessness?
6: Yes, we all can be part of the solution. is by helping these kids and mentoring them, getting involved in their life.
1: Well, when we come back, Sean Tice, godismydad.com. Let's talk about that solution. Folks, you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. Family being the operative word. We want you to be a part of the family of God, and God wants to give you a good family down here as well. And we're here to help and encourage you in those regards. Alex McFarlane here. Stay tuned. We're back after this.
2: What we believe about the Bible
3: is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. thegodwhospeaks.org. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation Thank you for standing with us.
5: Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. Do you know it's been three years since Eight Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that Eight Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to La Laplace, Louisiana, during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com.
4: Hi folks, my name is Seth Udinsky. I'm the producer for Financial Issues with Dan Celia. As Dan recovers in the hospital, the team at FISM would like to invite you to join us in prayer and fasting for Dan's healing. And folks, this idea of prayer and fasting can sometimes be a little bit of a scary thing for Christians, especially the whole concept of fasting. Obviously, you could certainly fast from food, but you can also fast in other ways as well. You know, the purpose of fasting is really for us to orient our hearts around God and to focus on the fact that we need him. This Wednesday, March the 23rd, we will be praying for healing over Dan's body. And on Thursday, March the 24th, we will be praying specifically for the doctors and nurses caring for Dan. On Friday, March the 25th, we will pray for comfort for Dan's family. Join us, folks, as we pray and fast for Dan. And for more information about Dan's road to recovery and how you can pray specifically for him, go to FISM.TV forward slash pray and fast.
1: You know, in both Psalm 82 and in the book of James it talks about defending the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the pre- the oppressed. The word of God has a lot to say about orphans and widows, and we are talking about the sacredness of life and uh, certainly that falls under that topic. We also we have a very special guest Sean Tice of uh, godismydad.com. Sean, am I pronouncing your last name correctly?
6: Yes, you are. It's a weird spelling, but yeah, yes, you
1: are. Uh, Tice. Just curious, what's the what's the derivation of that last name? What's the origin of that, Sean?
6: My grandfather came over from Lebanon, and it was actually Abu Tice, and then they Mm -hmm. chopped it down in Ellis Island to Tice. So (laughs) it's kind of a made-up name, but
1: (laughs) yeah, T E I as well. Um, And you, so you grew up yourself. Your your father was out of the picture, and how did yes. How did God minister to you, Sean, and how did you ultimately come to Christ?
6: Well, I was I was blessed. My mom was invited by one of her cousins to go to church on the bus ministry at the church we were at in Pennsylvania. And so he was the bus captain, invited us to go. We were on the bus to church as a baby, um, and then eventually my mom became like the, she became a bus captain herself, and then we started driving ourselves to church. Uh, but during that time, I was about four years old, I remember the teacher asked me if I wanted to trust Jesus as my Savior. And so I, I made that decision, but then for a long time I doubted my salvation, you know, trying to figure out am I am I saved? That I really understand, that I really mean it, and so I can, you know, I I made assurance of my salvation when I was around seventh grade uh, at, a, at a Christian camp called the Wilds down in North Carolina. And, oh, uh, I,
1: I know uh, where that is, brother. Life. Praise God.
6: Yes, yes, and so that was that was my journey, and then I had I had people that helped me on my journey as as uh as a you know with my fatherless situation, I had my grandparents to help raise me. Um, And then I had Christian mentors that stepped into my life and filled that gap uh, for a a lot of it, of not having a dad.
1: Wow. So, hey, um, did you ever hear of an evangelist? And folks, some of you are going to know this name. He just went to be with the Lord in December uh, just three months ago, Bill Glass from Texas. Bill Glass. Did you ever hear that name, Sean?
6: I feel like I have. I'm not sure, though. I feel like I have.
1: Well, he talked about, we we brought him to North Carolina many times, uh, but he, okay. he said crime is a father problem. And much to my surprise, this was 25 years ago, I would bring Bill Glass to North Carolina. He was an amazing man of God, former pro football player, brilliant minister, but he, and now I know it. Oh, my goodness, I know this is so true. But he talked about the fact that, that, Many of our statistics about violence, gang involvement, uh, delinquency, substance abuse, just so many of the pathologies that are really tearing our country apart tie back to fatherlessness. And I look back at Bill Glass, and he was one of the first voices to, to make this clarion cry. I think he was right. Um, so if you would speak to Um, Just what are the implications for our culture from fatherlessness, Sean?
6: Yes, there's many. I mean, I could go go for a long time on it, but just something off the top of my head would be, you know, 85% of youth in prisons uh, grow up in fatherless homes. Uh, 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. And then one of them really shocking is um, of the 27 deadliest mass shootings, 26 of them were fatherless. And so, yeah, these kids are growing up with anger. They don't have somebody to teach them how to respect themselves, how to respect people, how to respect their country, how to respect a girl, and then they end up committing these crimes. And then even girls, so a lot of that's for, for males, but then even girls, they're, they're looking for security. And dads sure. provide security to their life. They, they tell them, hey, you're beautiful. I, I care about you. I believe in you. And even for boys, they tell them that. So when a girl doesn't have that, a lot of times, I'll find that in a young man or a male, a man, an adult male, that will try to um, you know, fill that voice for them, you know, in the wrong way. And so, there's a statistic on pro-life, um, you know, talking about the abortion issue. Seventy-one percent of pregnant teenage girls come from fatherless homes, and so oh. it's just, I mean, it's affecting. So many different areas. You know, this talks about men, this mental illness that you know sometimes there's a chemical imbalance, but sometimes they just need a loving mentor to help them with that, um, that that struggle that they have with their behavior and things like that. So I mean, there's so many things coming from, from this issue. We can do you know off statistics for for a while.
1: And and give me that statistic again of the twenty seven, what did you say, mass shooters?
6: Yeah. Yes, yeah. So the twenty seven deadliest mass shooters, twenty six of them were fathers.
1: 26 out of 27. And you know what? It's amazing to me, Sean, how uh, when I'm at at secular universities to speak, you know, I've been in front of students debating professors that say, well, you know, traditional marriage, we don't need it anymore. The family was this patriarchal thing from a previous generation. Uh, In entertainment, my goodness, how, um, you know, so much of pop culture glorifies, you know, sexual promiscuity and the player culture. And yet, uh, look, um, pregnancies, domestic violence, crime, even shootings, I mean, these things descend from fatherlessness and the breakdown of the family. And, uh, you know, it's amazing to me, not out of religious motives, but just out of care for fellow human beings. We would think that secular education and entertainment, just out of Caring for the well-being of of other human beings, you would think they would support family and values, and yet they not only undermine they mock them very often uh so Sean, what's the solution my friend
6: Well the solution's obviously number one god and we as we 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 teach from our ministry is so sur- sur- Center your home on God. We talk to single moms and we teach them, center your home on, on on God. You know, grandparents raising their grandkids, you know, have God in the center of your home. For a fatherless individual, really the only way to truly overcome this is through God. You know, I use the illustration of my, my uncle and my dad. They both grew up fatherless, they're three years apart, and my uh, their dad died when my uncle was 10, my dad was 13. And they both had the choice. They both had been saved when they were young, trusted in Jesus as their Savior, and they had the choice, do I want to follow God or follow you know, the, the world's options and to be able to cope with this? And so the thing is, a lot of times, follow individuals they are going to find ways to heal, find ways to cope, and a lot of times they find it in the world. They find the world system. And so the way to really heal from this is... Um, building your relationship with God, spending time with God, reading God's Word. And sadly, my dad went down the path of finding hope in drugs and alcohol and um, all these different things that the world had to offer, and it, it just ruined his life, destroyed his life, and made me fatherless growing up. But my uncle, he decided he was going to follow God, and he went back to Las Vegas, went to Bible college, went back to Las Vegas, started a church out there, Liberty Baptist Church, and it runs, you know, eight hundred to a thousand people, depending on the situation, to events and stuff. And
1: oh he's li-
6: he's living for God, and he's been he started church forty five years ago. And just to give you an illustration, it's, so if you decide I'm going to follow God and live for God, if you decide that you're going to have your kids, your home centered on God, the things can change, but you have to make that choice. I'm going to break the cycle in my life, because oftentimes, mm. faulists make their kids faulists. And so I'm choosing to do that in my life, trying to make my kids, I'm breaking the cycle for them, and we all can do that. Now, if you want to get involved in it, you can become a mentor. You can go and – and I think we've overcomplicated mentoring in our society. We've made it sound like this complicated thing, but really it's just finding a boy or girl in your circle of influence, you know, whether it's that neighborhood kid or that – Niece or nephew that even lives across the country or whoever it might be, and it's trying to start mentoring them from a distance or when you're with them and teaching them, you know that there is a different way um, in a loving, respectful way, but having the gospel present in that and being involved in their life and letting them be involved in your life and seeing them as you as a Christian couple or as a Christian individual. And so it's the it's, it's problem is Satan's overcomplicated this whole thing. Where we think, oh man, that I have to go and spend my whole life with this kid. No, it's just being letting them know that you care about them and being involved you know, as much as you possibly can in their life and supporting that single mom, supporting that grandparent raising grandkids and helping them as they, as they, they raise these, these kids up. But I honestly believe God's got to be the center of it, or there's going to still be a lot of hopelessness involved.
1: Now, uh, I completely agree. So specifically, like, what does your ministry do to help fatherless families?
6: Well, one of the things is we, we just did in Las Vegas, we launched a single mom support group. Um, and what, it, what that looks like is once a week we meet, we work through—we wrote a, a devotional book for single moms several years ago, and so every week we work through that book. Um, it's called The Single Mom Journey, and we just cover a topic every every week. And then we also give time to just talk as a group, and it gives a chance for the single moms to talk. And then during that time at our church, we have— um, we have the kids; so they can go to programming that's already established at the church on a Wednesday night, and then the single mom group just meets separately. But it's it's, a, it's just a great thing to be able to be in in, in in that group for them. Some of the single moms are saying, "I wish you know, I was praying for something like this," or "I was about to look for a group like this," and just so thankful that we started that. Uh, in Las Vegas, we have Bible clubs, and that was communities where we're we we have these Bible clubs that we're doing, um, and we get to. You know, teach them that way, but then we're also going to launch a mentoring program from that where we're finding, we're identifying, um, you know, this grandma that's raising her grandkids. We're going to start working with and mentoring those kids and helping them and using our books. We've actually written books for fatherless guys and fatherless girls. So we have some unique tools that you can use to mentor um, these kids yourself. And then also, we're doing it digitally as well through godismydad.com. We have a section for fatherless individuals, for single moms, and for grandparents raising grandkids. And we just relaunched that website. And on each each of those pages, there's different videos to to help coach grandparents as they raise their grandkids, to help coach single moms, to help coach fatherless individuals to overcome and claim God as their Heavenly Father. So there's a variety of different ways that we're working through this. We also go and speak in churches all over the country. We've been in over 150 sure. churches, speaking on fatherlessness and spreading awareness about it. And so just really look, digital resources, print resources, and stuff like that. So.
1: Uh and, and let me throw this in. Um, I've worked with a lot of churches, and I've I've pastored uh, two, and I was a youth pastor for 11 years. And let me just say this, and I, I, I know you'll concur, Sean. Young people are hungry for relationship. I mean, folks, um, it really melts my heart that the way that young people, especially especially boys, they, they when an adult takes up time in their life, they, they really do respond. Um, here's the thing, you know, we want to share the gospel. Great commission. I think all Christians and ministers, you know, we know the great commission, go into all the world and make disciples. But they don't just wake up and say, oh, gee, I'm going to go hear a sermon on Sunday morning. Very often... Yeah evangelism and certainly discipleship or mentoring it flows out of relationship now that might be go shoot some basketball the 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 kids that congregate on your church's basketball court go talk to them build a relationship take bottles okay. of water and and offer things that will begin to cultivate relationship and it, i mean Sean i, I know a, a major church in my home state of north carolina that's one Uh, hundreds hundreds of teenagers to christ through tutoring and there's you know adults and look you don't have to be like a professor just helping kids with their math and their homework and because mom and dad aren't always there helping kids with with english as a second language literacy programs and out of the you're serving people and yet out of this you have an opportunity to talk about jesus because eventually kids are going to they're going to say why are you being so nice to me um that they, they might not phrase it this way but um you know the old thing love somebody till they ask why and sean all yes. that set you up to say this any church can do this look rural urban big city small town and you, you don't need money you don't have to have a budget to show love to kids I mean, every one of us can do this, and it, it is the, the gateway to Christ's great commission, I believe. Sean, what do you say?
6: Oh, I, I, I agree. You know, James one twenty-seven says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and what is in their affliction, to keep himself from the fatherless in the world. You know, it says in that verse, it's a pure religious practice. You know, so every single one of us, in one way or another, should be involved in that. If we want to practice pure religion not some man-made traditionalism that we came up with, but just saying, hey, this is a pure religious thing, and so let me get involved in this, and it says in that verse, what is it? What's pure religion? It says it's to visit. And if you look that up, it's talking about, you know, you know, to look upon in order to help or to benefit, you know, being involved in that, that kid's life, that single mom's life, and, and, and it does, that doesn't really, sometimes that doesn't cost anything, you know, just spending time with them. Um, and, like I said, visiting them, spend, nurturing their life. They don't have somebody to do that Oftentimes, You know, when a kid has, doesn't have a dad, we always say that they're... You know, when mom and dad are present and they're godly parents, the kid's life's in balance, you know, it's like a scale. But when dad's gone, yeah. that kid's life goes off balance, and that he's off the scale, and, and his, his life kind of is a mess. And we wonder, why is he committing crime? Why, why is she going after this boy? Because their life's off balance. They're not giving you know, any excuses for the sin they commit, but...
1: Uh, Sean, I've um, our, our ministry, Truth for a New Generation. Um, my my main work is on the American Family Radio Network, but I travel and speak, and we organize some conferences and crusades. And I've been in—I forget—probably two dozen prisons. One of which is um, in Virginia. There's a correctional facility that I've been to probably ten times. Where of all things, Charles Manson spent his youth before going to wow. California, and. uh we, I'm sure most people know about that tragic situation. But here's the thing. I was at this correctional center um, where Manson had spent his youth, 86 boys. And I asked the warden, I said, how many of these boys come from a broken family? He said, oh, 86 out of 86. None of them have a father in their life. And of the two dozen wow. prisons where I've done crusades, the fatherlessness rate is staggeringly almost hundred percent. So, Sean Tice of GodIsMyDad.com. Thanks for what you're doing. I look forward to when you and I can talk again really soon. But in the meantime, Godspeed, my brother, and and may the Lord bless and increase your work.
6: Thank you. God bless you.
1: God bless you. Folks, this is the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland, so honored that you've been listening. Remember, as we started out, life is sacred. Life is a gift from God. Every human being matters to God, and because every human matters to God, every human should matter to us. Please know that God loves you. I'll be back 3 p.m. Central on Exploring the Word. Keep your heart attuned to God. Keep your radio tuned to the American Family Association. The views
7: and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.